Hello and welcome to the For Free Management podcast with Sudhir. I am Sudhir Chaudhary, product manager at Lenovo. On this podcast, I share my learning on product and category management, marketing, business development, and learning from work and life. In today's episode, I'm really excited to have as my guest Jason Bradshaw, CEO and co-founder of Bradshaw Co and Company, which is a global strategic advisor, a keynote speaker on experience management. customer and employee experience digital transformation and leading through crisis with experience in everything from telecommunications to government media and automotive jason has depth and breadth of experience to inspire engage and deliver business growth as a global thought leader on customer and employee experience now interesting at 14 years old jason started his own telecommunication and hardware distribution business it was there he began a lifelong passion for customer experience you know even he didn't know exactly what to do and what to call it at that time it didn't matter because this first foray into entrepreneurship gave him a taste of how to offer customers an experience not just a product in 2018 jason released his first book it's all about cex the essential guide to customer and employee experience and it became an amazon best selling book in five categories and two countries since that humble start jason has transformed the way people interact with organizations across a litany of sectors an absolute pleasure jason to have you on the show welcome to the show so dear it's an absolute pleasure to be on the show thanks for having me on today thank you thanks thanks again jason so before i delve deeper into the cex which is our main topic for today i wanted to know more about you you know tell me a little bit more about your journey from starting a telecommunications business to being a global strategic advisor how did it all pan out and what has been your experiences and learning throughout the journey Well thanks for the opportunity to share some of my story. You know, quite often we see the public message that uh, people put out there, professionals put out there, you know, featured in Forbes, uh, C-suite network, uh, global guru, but it doesn't tell you the real story of the journey. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share. You mentioned I started my first business at the age of 14, which is correct, but it wasn't born out of this desire to change the world it was born out of a desire to buy the latest and greatest gadgets and i figured the best way to do that was to sell the products that i wanted to use so i wanted to have a mobile phone i wanted to have you know a computer i wanted to have the internet so i just started selling it and i i know that sounds very simple but you know there was a lot of struggle in the background i spent 6 months arguing with the local bank about having a checking account. Now, the biggest lesson I had from starting my first business at 14 was the lesson of tenacity. You know, if mm. you absolutely believe in something, then you should have the tenacity to follow through with it and to find a way to make it work. Now, by the time I was 21, I'd started three successful businesses and I say all three were successful, although the last one I closed down Uh, because it wasn't making money, 
yet I still call it successful. And, and let me explain to the listeners. My third yeah. business was a video rental store. Now, everyone knows the story of Blockbuster and if it's not Netflix, it's some other streaming service you have today. Yeah. But at the time, the reason I started it was because I had this retail space and I had uh, some empty retail space at the front. And I thought, well, I could turn that into a video rental store, then I can make some money out of that space and, and have my telesales team up for another business in the back part of the store. So it was about trying to optimize the revenue per square meter. Uh, so great intention, but I, you know, I learned the first lesson of, uh, of the business of, of uh, you know, consumer business at that stage was location is, is definitely key. Um, you know, I wasn't next to a pizza shop, so being a video rental store wasn't the best location if you weren't next to anything else that was drawing people into their evening entertainment or their evening mm. activities. So that was by 21 three businesses across uh, telecommunications and, and office supplies, uh, domestic and commercial cleaning and pest control, and then uh, the video rental store, as I mentioned. I was very fortunate, though, that uh, very early uh, after that, I was uh, headhunted uh, to be a call center assistant manager of a, of a large mm -hmm. bank. And then I spent two decades working with some of the world's most recognizable brands. To your listeners in India, that the most recognizable brand is probably Volkswagen Group that I yep. was the chief, uh, chief customer and marketing officer of. Um, and in every step of my career, what I noticed from a very young age, you know, A, owning my first business and, and then working in corporate, was that if you delivered an experience that was memorable, that was remarkable, that gave something to people that they wanted to talk about, then in the process of making their lives better, you were more successful. And so I worked for for Australia's second largest government procurement organization, uh, second only to the Defence Force. And you know, I wasn't buying tanks and airplanes and submarines. Um, so the second largest government procurement organization. And as the customer guy, my job was to make sure that in procurement, we put the citizens of the state into the decision making. So we didn't just go and buy a hospital bed that was the cheapest. We thought about what is the patient experience going to be like? And if we buy a slightly better bed, although it's more expensive, will this patient stay in hospital for a shorter period of time? Will their care in hospital be to a better quality? So, so going yeah, back to nice. my early days when I was just 14, I was buying the product from the next town, marking it up, and selling it, and people were willing to pay extra because of the service that they were getting, the experience they were getting, the after-sales care that they were getting. And today, people are still willing. In fact, more than 70% of people are willing to pay more if they think they're going to get a better experience than what they're getting today. Interesting to go through and understand your experience. It's fascinating. I, I could, I think, got two really great insights from what you've just shared jason and i just wanted to you know uh delve deeper so see i mean at 21 you have you know the intelligence to maximize the revenue per square meter when you mentioned that you had a retail space where you wanted to maximize revenue i think that that's really uh, very very uh, wise at that time when you were actually really doing that 
at the same time when you're mentioning uh, you know that Volkswagen experience or, or or the patient experience of having better beds compared to uh, compared to talking about or uh, considering the cost when both things are at consideration to mm. CFO yes. where in one one has to be maximization of the revenue and at the same time you you have to uh, obviously maximize the customer experience question which organization organizations must be going through mm. what is your advice or best way where they should tackle this you know conundrum yeah absolutely and it's a conundrum that even as a solopreneur you have you know at times to, as a solopreneur you'll be thinking about where do i invest my money and you know i just need to get from point a to point b what's the cheapest way to do that so in a corporate setting or in your own business what i would encourage you to consider is not the transactional cost but rather the lifetime cost so in the example okay. i gave around a hospital bed the transactional cost is the cost of the bed but the lifetime cost is the outcome of what that bed creates so we actually did some studies that identified that certain beds uh, that after a, an extra uh, sorry after a certain number of days in hospital were more likely to create bed sores and those bed sores could lead to complications could extend a patient's stay so instead of the cost of that bed being the transaction of just buying the bed the lifetime cost of that bed was those extra nights of patient care in a hospital and so then you can have an apples to apples conversation with the CFO around okay the lifetime cost of this product is is x um and therefore it is better to buy the product the alternate product that's slightly more expensive at the beginning but the yeah. overall lifetime cost is less so you know it, it's same with anything else you know, if you if you're buying a computer and one computer is $500 and the other one's a thousand but the $500 computer needs replacing every two years and the $1000 computer needs replacing every five years the simple answer is you buy the $1000 computer because that lifetime cost is less than the transactional cost and so that's where i'd encourage people to have their conversations is what is the transactional cost versus the lifetime cost and go with the one that delivers the best lifetime cost or lifetime opportunity so, so you know, if we think about investing in a customer's experience in, there is a lot of research and in every industry i've worked in i've proved this out through the work that i've done is that if you invest in the experience of the customer and deliver a consistent experience that they trust then the cost of acquiring new customers through referrals is obviously a lot less than going out and buying tv ads or social media ads so again what is the total economic impact of what you're doing because ultimately whenever we spend a dollar in business it should be leading to improving the overall financial health and sustainability of the business. And I think uh, said here that's that's one area that people quite often get confused with when they think mm -hmm. about customer or employee experience or product experience uh is that it's an investment or or a cost that doesn't have a return. 
you know <laughs> i'm not saying go and give people stuff for free i'm not saying you know if someone yeah. buys an economy class ticket on a plane give them a business class experience i'm not saying that i'm saying that you can deliver an experience that delivers value that delivers a trustworthy interaction that people want to talk about and recommend and that drives loyalty real loyalty and repeat and referral business when you're doing that you're generating a return on investment or as i like to say a return on the experience that you've delivered oh i absolutely love it uh, jason so i think uh, when what you mentioned the lifetime cost over transactional cost i think that's that's uh, i mean i think an eye opening or a thought provoking uh, statement when you're talking and taking those financial decisions so really loved it moving on just wanted to understand uh when you're mentioning about delivering value and delivering experience to the customers why improving the experience can transform the business so to improve the experience and consistently improve the experience you need to have an organization that is truly aligned to one north star to one purpose and and to be aligned to one purpose you need to have a certain sort of culture operating within your organization and it has to be a consistent culture a consistent way of operating and what i've found in most organizations of all shapes and sizes is that the only consistent thing is inconsistency so the more consistent you become the more you transform the way the business operates the more the business operates towards one common goal or a set of common goals the more likely you're going to deliver them but the reason the real reason to keep investing in becoming more consistent investing in improving the experience is that as consumers our expectations are constantly changing and if they weren't Absolutely. constantly changing then we wouldn't have technology advancements you know the, the the mobile phone i had when i was 14 years old weighed about 6 pounds it came in a zipper bag you had to open it up and put the antenna up it you know was it great at the time yes but very yes. quickly people's expectations became how do i make it lighter thinner more mobile and that continues Absolutely. the days of an individual comparing their experiences against the next mobile phone or the next bakery or the next whatever they're long gone because as a consumer i'm not saying is this the you know is this bread better than the next bakery i'm uh, i'm saying is this the best best bread possible because mm. i'm always going through this lens of my best experience ever mm. and i'm yeah. asking as consumers more and more why not why can't it be faster why can't it be cheaper why can't it be you know make my life better and so if we as a business are not constantly improving then we create a gap a gap between mm. consumer expectations a gap between where the market is at potentially and closing that gap becomes really expensive it, unfortunately uh, it, there was a great company called Kodak who yeah. i'm sure we're all familiar with it and most of us that are over 30 years of age maybe 40 years of age may have even used Kodak products when we were kids or certainly our parents did and yet that company went uh, bankrupt not because they didn't have the intelligence to create a digital product in fact one of their team members had designed 
effectively what was the first digital product, the first digital camera. But instead of Kodak leading the world in digital photography, they went bankrupt because they said the customers wouldn't want it. So hmm. as, as others delivered the product, which was in many ways inferior to the Kodak film, but because customers' expectations were, okay, it may be inferior today, but hey, it's more convenient. It can get, you know, I can share the photos easier. I'll put up with some of the quality issues and let quality catch up. As quality caught up and potentially uh, superseded Kodak, what happened was Kodak got to this point where they'd lost all their market relevance and couldn't financially close the gap. They, you know, they, they couldn't come up with the innovation, the money, the innovation, the product, the market relevance to stay afloat, to stay in business. And so that's why I say it's absolutely essential that you invest in creating an experience for your employees and for your customers that is continually improving, not so that you are leapfrogging your competition, but rather that you're making sure that the gap between you and expectations is continually closing so that you stay relevant in the marketplace. Because there are two things that kill companies. The first is relevance and the second is no sales. And you don't get sales if you're an irrelevant company, right? So how do we create a culture in an organization that is absolutely fanatical about delivering on the promises that the company makes through its marketing, through its products, through its various elements, and then finding ways to close the gap between the expect between the promise, the actual delivery, and the expectation of the customers. And as long as we create a habit of doing that, we'll transform our organization. Because if I take my Kodak example, Kodak would still be around today as the world's premier photography uh, organization. In fact, there is no reason why Kodak couldn't have been providing the lenses and the technology to our smartphones. It, you know, the Absolutely. world of opportunity was Whatever. there. And as we all know, our smartphones today feature lenses from other organizations, right? Yeah, it could have been a different story for Kodak if they would have gone the other way. So absolutely loved your examples, Jason. I think uh, the product, so in fact, I'm a product guy and I really, really can correlate with the product examples that you gave. So, you know, uh, when you mentioned the technology advancements, you know, obviously the customer needs keep evolving. And I think that's the reason companies uh, are there. Companies strive. Otherwise, uh, I mean, as you gave Codex example, it will not be. Uh, I had a few months before recorded a video, YouTube video, when I, when I was talking about cars example, right? Now, earlier, uh, cars used to be, okay, basic vehicle uh, to take you from one place to another. You know, that uh, keyless ignition, that automatic, and everything else was a, as a you know, additional luxury feature. But take today, I think even in the basic car today, we have all these automatic feature, entertainment system, you know, uh, airbags and everything which is which was so-called luxury at that time. Because as you rightly said, customers' expectations keep evolving. And I think as a product guy or as product team or other companies, I think they should be, they should be on the top of it to stay relevant. A relation as well, if the organization is relevant, there will be sales and if it is no relevance there will be no sales 
so this brings me uh, you know as i mentioned uh, to asking you something from a product and category management role uh, how can product or uh, category managers who manages you know one category or the business categories how can they inculcate a habit of involving customer feedback right mm. in order to create better customer experiences so i think the first thing that is essential is that for the product team to think product experience so you know when a product is made and marketed there's a whole range of promises made around what that product is going to enable and and you're either doing two things you're either promising to solve a problem or create a better life really you you never create a product to say you're going to give us some money and nothing in your life is going to change you never say that right the product is always yeah. either going to solve a problem absolutely or create a better life an easier life a, a more luxurious life and you know there's a, a promise always and so yeah. i think the first thing that a product and category uh, team member should be thinking about is how can we make sure that once we create a relationship with a customer with through the with the product how do we extend that relationship beyond the transaction how do we ensure that the customer has every opportunity to experience and be immersed in everything that the product is about so you know if i think about a laptop yeah. when i buy a laptop i'm buying a laptop because i want portability and depending mm-hmm. on which laptop i buy I, you know there's various things I, you know might want one of those two in ones that can be a tablet or it can be a a traditional laptop but yeah. nonetheless i choose a product because it's going to solve that problem or provide that benefit absolutely but, and that generally is the end of the conversation right but why isn't there a conversation that happens with the customer over the next 90 days over the next 12 months after purchase that explain some of the how to use some of the features and benefits of that particular laptop or if you release a firmware upgrade you know what how is this firmware upgrade going to make my life easier is it going to protect me is it going to make the laptop more secure or you know if you have a lenovo laptop and you have a android phone did you know that lenovo has this tool that allows them to seamlessly sync how can you create through the product a genuine connection with that consumer to ensure that you continue to deliver on the promise that that original product made you know if i think about a motor vehicle and you know i can remember my very first car right i, mm-hmm. I was very fancy i had electric windows in the front but those wind down ones in the back yeah um, and today you know cars just have it's electric powered. windows there's there's yeah. there's no question about it front back yeah. you know if there's a window it's powered um, it has to be powered but uh, you know there are so many features in a car today that after i've picked it up how am i going to remember it but it's very easy for a car company to send me an email once a month to say here's a 2 minute video on how to use this feature did you know if you press this button and you walk away from the car the boot will automatically close you know there whether it's a car or a laptop or you know almost any product that isn't a fast moving consumer good because it's you know it'd be a bit hard for the good folks at Kellogg's to send you an email 30 days after buying some cereal saying this is how to eat cereal yeah but you know with those more tangible long term purchases how can i how can i extend the product experience beyond the transaction mm. so that's the first thing that i'd be looking for the second thing that i would encourage product uh, managers and and category managers to do 
is specifically look at the feedback that is talking about the gap between what the product promise and what the consumer is experiencing. And, and the reason I say this is because that gap will either create uh, raving fans or detractors. That gap could be the clue to the next product innovation. Hmm. And thirdly, yep. the gap creates, a, creates the information source for adding value. So if you went out there and said, you know, the Lenovo battery, uh, the Lenovo laptop has an average battery life of 23 hours, and then you see everyone talking about the battery having an 11 hour life, then you've got either a product quality issue that you need to address, or there's a way that the device is being used that's draining the battery. So you could immediately do two things. You could create an email campaign to talk to those users about how to extend your battery life, how to get the maximum battery life. And secondly, uh, you could obviously do some spot testing to make sure that there wasn't a manufacturing issue with that particular batch of, of laptops. But the point is, if you look at what that customer feedback is saying from a gap perspective, not looking at anything else, how good the salesperson was, how good the delivery was, just from a product point of view, the gap between what you promised it would do and what people are saying, good and bad, and you will find that the absolute key areas of value add, how you can help them solve that problem or get the promise, or how you can inform future developments of the product so that, again, you're being relevant and you're staying with where the market's at. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, there couldn't have been any other better way in which you have described, uh, Jason. I think I really loved the points that you have mentioned that, you know, look at the feedback, what the product promised and what the customer is experiencing. I think that is what the, what you call, you know, the moment of truth for any product. And I think that's, that's what really uh, create either a raving fan or a detractor. That's also one of the important ways for companies to create new products. As you mentioned, innovation sometimes comes from the critical feedbacks from the customers, right? the battery examples and i think what you mentioned is something which is you know uh, it's been happening you know in in our day-to-day -day lives and when we interact with a lot of customers you know in terms of uh, what they're experiencing uh, you know sometimes it is they they share that you know they've been overwhelmed beyond what they you know they have thought that the product will give and you know obviously sometimes you get feedbacks in order to improve uh, the product so anything uh, you want to add as a last comments from your side for the listeners? Sure. First of all, I'm going to challenge the listeners to do two things. I want them to make a phone call, if preferably a phone call, to a customer and ask the question, what's one thing you think we could do better? Mm -hmm. That's great. If, mm. if they can't make the phone call, then I'm sure there's some survey feedback or some Facebook feedback. There'll be feeds. The, the key is to find some customer feedback. Hmm. If, a, if, if there's a problem, fix it, and then have the conversation internally about how can we make sure that we reduce or remove this friction point that caused the problem. The second phone call or feedback mm -hmm. hunt, if you like, is to an employee. Now, if someone's listening to this and they're not a manager, they're not a leader of people, then give a call to the person that is your most uh, transacted internal client. 
and mm -hmm. ask yeah. your colleague, hey, you know, uh, I provide you with this report every week. Is there anything I could be doing differently that would make it better for you? So, you know, two very simple actions to help you get closer to understanding that gap between the promise and the expectation. And then the second thing that I would encourage uh, the listeners to do is, of course, uh, reach out to me at Jason S. Bradshaw if they have any questions or if there's anything I can help them with. And then because I believe in doing a little bit extra, I would encourage your listeners to also share this podcast with anyone in their uh, environment that they feel would benefit from our conversation today. Great, wonderful, wonderful, Jason. In fact, I also, I mean, you just touched upon, I wanted to share your details with the US. I think, let me just uh, read it out again. So it is jason at bradshaw.com is uh, where I think you're reachable. So for the listeners, reach out to jason at jason at bradshaw.com. I think uh, it's been a real uh, great time talking to you. I hope the listeners will also get a lot of insights from your plethora of experience you know across industries and across the businesses that you have managed and run so i once again thank you for taking out you know time uh, from your busy schedule and you know uh, recording and talking to me we will continue our interesting conversation with jason in the second part of this chat where we will delve deeper into b2b and b2c and how can product and category managers take customer feedback to improve the experience? Also, we will talk on how can the employee experience and company's culture can transform the business. Do check out the second part of this episode next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Product Management Experiences. If you like what you heard, please comment below, share this information with someone you think will benefit from hearing it and do subscribe to my podcast so that we can stay connected. To learn more about me, please visit my website sudheerchaudhary.com. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn or subscribe to my YouTube channel. Also request you to please rate and review this podcast. It will encourage me to improve and share more content. Thank you.